Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Leaf, a sales rep, ending 5,000 company, helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Jill Pagan. You can find us on all social media channels and at leafasalesrep.com. Thank you for listening in. It's going to be a great one today. Yeah, it's going to be a great one today. We got the honor and privilege of interviewing and chatting with Celeste Lunsford. She is the Chief uh, Research and Strategy Officer at Emissary. Uh, Emissary, if you know what that means, uh, means special mission. Um, and she's going to share a little bit about that with us today. We're going to get into nuts and bolts of what they do and the kind of people they have that are a part of their team, which seems to be extensive, that helps organizations grow their business by connecting them to the right people, understanding how stuff is working within organizations and how they make decisions uh, on vendors and purchasing and all that kind of good stuff. Hey, that kind of works really well into what we do here at sales, you know, I mean, at least the sales rep, right? And the sales prospect show. So Celeste, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great, great. Listen, uh, talk to us a little bit about um, how you landed there and your background. Uh, and, uh, you know, the CRO term kind of relates for us in the sales, like chief revenue officer, right? Show us the money. Uh, you know, whereas on, in, your, in your space, it's a little bit different, uh, maybe similar uh, in, in general. So tell us about you and then we'll hop right into the nuts and bolts of the company. Absolutely. So I've been in the sales effectiveness space for a long time, a couple decades plus, and my background has been a lot of sales process, consulting, and sales enablement, running sales readiness functions, things like that. And um, one of the things that I had gotten into is that's always been interesting to me is the, the science of selling. And there really are right things to do and, and wrong things to do. And sort of do research, you know, some sales organizations just were always more successful than others. And, and why was that? And I uh, had the opportunity about a year and a half ago to look at the same problem, but from the buyer side. So the buyer processes and why is it so hard to buy something when you want something? And why can't I get the salespeople to do what I want them to do? So that's how I ended up here. So looking at, you know, the challenge of sales, but from a buyer side. Wow, interesting. So, um, so you got the the buyer side and you got the seller side. And from what I understand, um, emissary uh, helps companies to um, understand their buying processes, how they make decisions, um, uh, different people involved in that decision making process, influencers, um, and the like, um, stakeholders, if you want to use that term. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, how that works and, and take us to a, 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 a second grade explanation of how this would work with somebody trying to engage with you guys and how would you plug it, that consultant in to meet mm -hmm. the goals of that company? Yeah, great question. So the, the problem that we're helping to solve is, is you know, again, having come from the, the sales side of it, where people have found success is they've said, listen, you know, the more I can know about my decision makers and how they like to make decisions and what's important to the company, right? I want to attach to value. I want to attach to a business issue. And the more I can do that, the more successful I'll be. And there's a whole bunch of really good training in the marketplace and tools that help you do that. The problem is, is you don't always have the right information to put into those tools. So you have to wait till you have your first meeting with the client. And then you have to ask all these really basic discovery questions. So instead of 
offering them a bunch of value at the get-go, you're like, well, who's involved in this decision? And when will the decision be made? And how does this tie in, right? Because you don't know the answers to those questions because they aren't Zoom Info and they aren't LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So what we do is we will work with marketing leaders and sales enablement leaders and others and say, hey, let us plug into your sales motions so that we can, let's say you've said you've got, you know, 50 accounts that are you know, CAM accounts, key account management accounts. And we'll say, we can introduce you to former executives in those accounts and they can give you some insights that are going to help you have your meetings and create your strategies smarter, right? With all that information up front. Mm -hmm. So they can say, hey, you know, you don't have to get procurement involved in this one, or hey, you know what, you're going to have to get vendor management involved and you should probably do that earlier or late. Or Celeste is, spends a lot of time with vendors and she finds them all interesting and, and she'll have 20 meetings with you. She never has budget. So here's who to invite to the meeting too. It's just those kinds of little things that you can't find out in the marketplace, right. but give you such an edge. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's interesting that, that this person has like 20 meetings with 30 vendors and does not yeah. have no budget. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> operationally, so that's something, well, you got a lot of time on your hands to be doing that kind of stuff and not making well, sure. decisions, right? And uh, as a salesperson, you're thinking, I, I got this, right? I mean, this person's got a great title. I, I have access to them, you know, because they, you know, the org structure, this person looks really, you know, like the person I should be selling to, but they're not on top of the power structure. And so mm -hmm. that's where only someone who's lived in that company can help you see the difference between the org structure and the power structure. Gotcha. No, gotcha. So the, 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 the consultants that you have um, uh, on, on staff or contract, whatever, whatever process you have there as in the organization, uh, are they tend to be more middle market, large enterprise clients? Um, tell us a little bit about, I guess, where you plug in and the most value your success with other clients and tell us a little bit about that. So we have about 10,000 emissaries in our network, and they're all director level and above, and they tend to be from very large Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. And so our clients are usually selling enterprise type software, so enterprise tech solutions, and they have pretty complex sales cycles. So they know, hey, I'm going to be trying to sell whatever this is for a six, eight month period. I know I'll probably have half a dozen decision makers involved. And so that extra intelligence really helps me. So it tends to be senior people from very large companies in the network. So that's the, the consultant side. So if you're mm -hmm. a vendor um, and, and you can share how, how you, um, yeah. it, your, your, it's your call if you share how you price out your service. Mm -hmm. But if you're a vendor um, that's selling into a middle market enterprise client and your ticket should be X at a minimum to engage with us, because you probably know that already, right? We know for us as an organization, we know that certain companies, and if you don't have X to invest, we, we're really not your solution. So I'm just being very candid here, right? For the audience and, um, and to tell us um, the ideal company or, or, or what they're selling on the dollar value to make it worthwhile for them and for you. Great question. So we sell to companies of any size, but for us to make sense to them, they have to have a large enough ticket. And there's not like a dollar threshold, okay. but it usually is because they've got sales cycles, our clients do, that are six, eight, 12 months, even more longer. And they know I'm going to need a lot of intelligence or a long period of time. I'm going to probably be selling to 
six or eight different decision makers and I really need to map out the organization. And so if that is your selling model, then someone like us makes sense. If you are doing a, hey, these are six week sales calls, I've usually got one decision maker, then something like us doesn't make as much sense. You don't, all that additional intelligence probably isn't going to make the difference. It's those complex sales cycles with lots of people, lots of steps. Gotcha. So it seems to be the the measuring stick or the, I guess the, the ideal client for you guys is someone who's going to have those, you know, long sales cycles, multiple stakeholders and decision makers yeah. in an organization. And again, when you have a sales cycle that long and multiple people, I'm just making an assumption here. You're going to have a large ticket item. It's going to be six yeah. figures, you know, um, uh, and it's the, the implementation of whatever that is, software, product, whatever you're doing. It's going to cross the organization, various things, people are going to be involved, departments. So that's where value comes in. So for the audience, you can make a determination that if you're if you're doing transactional work, which is what I call it, right, probably not the right fit. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, versus a large uh, uh, million dollar sale you know, $800,000 sale ticket item and renewable uh, revenue streams and things like that. Uh, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, so that, that said, um, are you playing around in, and I know I know you have like, you said 10,000 um, consultants, man, that's a lot of people, um, you know, so you have a, a nice uh, roster bench of, yep. people, I'm sure in multiple industries, but do you find yourself with the business, uh, you know, going into certain, verticals just because of the complexity the dollar size and the length of the sales cycle you have certain verticals that you seem to be well you know what we're in these two or three for lisa sales rep we're in a couple you know and we we play in a lot of other areas too but we, we you you asked me that question i got three or four areas we're in so can you share a little bit about that absolutely so on the client side our clients tend to be in technology Um, on the software side. And the reason why is software sales, just as you mentioned, if you're trying to go enterprise, they have a larger ticket, they tend to be more complex, there's a lot more opportunities to grow those accounts. And they tend to be value based, Mm -hmm. versus like hardware, which can be a little bit more more transparent of a deal. So they tend to be tech software. And then on the advisor side, who they sell into really runs the gamut. So if you look at the advisors, they come from financial services and manufacturing and healthcare and aviation and, and you name it. So it's basically, they are large, uh, they represent large organizations, but are, the people selling into them are typically selling like enterprise software. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And that across, obviously hits across multiple departments in the organization. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, so, and, and obviously tech and software space is a growing, you know, vertical just for various yeah. reasons. Um, people are getting more efficient, uh, people are working remotely. I mean, it's just uh, tracking everything, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Uh, and those, um, there's a lot of solutions in the marketplace for enterprise and middle market clients. Um, Very competitive. And, so yeah. what our clients are finding is, you mm-hmm. know, last year was actually a pretty good year for them because everybody was going remote and they were trying to figure out my employees are remote and I have to serve my customers remotely. And a lot of those data investments or infrastructure things that I had sort of backburnered all of a sudden are critical. So there was a whole lot of work that started last year and they're carrying forward. But at the same time, on the software side, you know, the number of competitors has exploded too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a very competitive industry. Obviously, we play in tech and software. It's extremely yes. competitive in multiple areas. Um, so the, the people that you have, the stable, mm-hmm. are um, 
are they uh, working primarily U.S. or are you doing, you know, international stuff? And help us understand that. Great question. So primarily U.S. and Europe. And so because they represent global organizations, depending on if they were down in the businesses or at centralized IT, they would have sometimes global purviews. Gotcha. Sure. Yeah. And that, 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 that makes sense. So the companies of large enterprise plan are going to have overseas operations and uh, just, it just makes sense. Um, when you're, when you're, um, when you're talking to um, a potential client for emissary, who's the, who, who's the people that you're talking to? Like the ones in the audience that are listening to this, yeah. uh, you know, obviously C-level people are making decisions like this and, and the C-suite, some of the executive VPs, that kind of thing. Um, uh, who's the person that's saying, you know what, you know, we need emissary and help us to sell this $800,000 million thing. And by the way, we're going to, we're going, to win, we're going to make money on selling this thing, but also we're going to make enough money, we're going to pay emissary <laughs> So for the exactly. service you provide. So uh, who are you talking to in the org that typically makes this decision? Great question. So it's usually a partnership between the CRO, in that case, Chief Revenue Officer, the CRO that you were chatting about earlier, who's saying, listen, I see an opportunity in the marketplace, but we're not closing enough of it. I want higher win rates, or it is our sales cycles are too long, or we're getting to the end of a sales cycle and we're losing to someone we didn't even know was in there. We found out at the very end, our contact, our coach didn't actually have the juice to make this happen. So that's the kind of problem that he or she has. And they're usually partnering with an executive in sales enablement who's saying, okay, well, I'm trying to work with sales ops and we're assembling all these tools. Like we went out, we bought LinkedIn sales navigator, we bought sales training, or we're doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So how to, you know, what's missing? And the question is, well, it's the intelligence to fuel all that stuff. So it's usually the CRO who's got the problem and someone in sales enablement who says, okay, let me figure out how to, how to, you know, how to solve that problem with everything else that we're throwing at the sales reps. How do we pull all this stuff together? Wow. That's, um, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. So the, the sales, um, chief sales officer, CRO are, mm -hmm. are the ones with the, um, with the pain points uh, and to sure. kind of bring you, to bring you into the, uh, to the mix. Uh, mm -hmm. What, um, I guess, what um, uh, challenges or, or when you're looking at the business, MSRE, um, where do you see your, the, the biggest uh, opportunities for you guys, you know, and, and the yeah. hurdles or that to get to those opportunities, if you will, just like for just from the company perspective, where do you see, you know, this is a really area that we're really excited about you know, that kind of thing, just like global kind of discussion on that. Yeah, great question. So Emissary started, I want to say about six years ago. And at that time, it was it was more general. So the idea was, you know, AI is great, but a lot of what AI does is it, it combs through and uses algorithms on data that exists somewhere. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it be great if we got to all that intelligence that's inside someone's head? And at the time, it was just sort of, well, you know, hey, you want to open a bookshop and I can connect you to someone who used to run one. Mm -hmm. And about three years ago, we said, that's kind of broad. <laughs> and what we realized is the people who actually have this problem and that the pain is worth solving are people in sales and marketing, right? So sales and marketing are really suffering through this. So it wasn't just human intelligence for the sake of connecting people. It was really like, let's solve sales and marketing challenges. So for us, the exciting part is, you know, we see so much more sophistication in the sales marketing motions over the years, right? You know, it's, you know, people are just so much more thoughtful about what a sales process looks like. You can measure it 18 ways from Sunday. So there's a lot of, 
of opportunity as people just get, they mature up their sales forces. And then for us, where we go next is we say, great, you know, where, you know, for us, we keep supply and demand aligned. So we have 10,000 people who like to buy bazillions of dollars of enterprise software. So then maybe we add another vertical and maybe it is, you know, a bazillion HR leaders who buy HR solutions, or maybe it, you know, so, you know, once you sort of build up the, the, you know, the, the system, then you add in additional layers, but it has to be people like our sales and marketing clients who have a problem that they, that is, and, you know, it impacts their results, right? A monetizable problem, right? Versus just a theoretical one. Uh, no, I got you. No, that's good. That's good. Um, asking for your your feedback on, um, you know, based on your sales background and mm-hmm. enablement before you landed there, um, we get questions often about, uh, and also we also get um, um, requests as an organization. We get questions from people outside, and we get um, uh, requests as an organization on, uh, should we respond to RFPs? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about that. Uh, and I'll, and I'll gladly share to the audience what my thoughts are, uh, on those things, but cause that's interesting. That is part of a buying process. Yep. Usually it's a, a larger organization. Most of the time that may ask for that, but, uh, some of them could also be middle, small, small businesses. So what are your thoughts on RFPs in general? Great question. Um, one of the things that we do for our clients is we prepare these, you know, organizational buying profiles that really map out the, the buying process for the account you're trying to get into. And so one of the questions that we're always asking all of our emissary network is, you know, are RFPs necessary in your old organization and, and how powerful is procurement? And it really depends on the organization. And so as an example, I was talking to someone last week, huge, huge, like Fortune 50 company. And they're like, honestly you don't really use procurement. They'll be brought in at the very end and they'll do something sort of perfunctory, but it's really not that important. So you spend, you should spend all your time and energy about the business owners. Where I've had other people in much smaller organizations who you'd think would be like a lot more informal than the Fortune 50 who are like, oh, you know, if you don't get the RFP, you're never going to actually get the shortlist. And procurement is tied up into in that organization compliance and legal, and they really have the ability. Um, we did a survey once and almost, I think it was 16 or 17% of, of, the, of uh, the emissary said that procurement had the ability to veto the business owner's decision. So, you know, in our world, what we find is it really depends on the organization and being able to talk to someone on the inside will tell you, you know, personally in my background, I've had great success writing no bid letters like, hey, thank you so much for including us. But, you know, here's why we're not going to respond. And sometimes those have turned out very well. Um, And in other times, you know, I've trudged through the, you know, the horrible exercise of all that. So, but I'm finding and from our clients, uh, from our emissaries rather, that um, they're very different in terms of their buying process and whether or not you should respond. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we made a, 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 I said I was going to give the audience my thoughts. I, I, we made a decision years ago um, that we weren't responding to RFPs. Um, because we don't we don't know who's involved in the process. We don't know what they're what they're really trying to yeah. accomplish. We're on the outside of the organization. Then we're gonna put hours into this thing and submit it and provide and open up our jacket, if you will, yeah. right? And and 
and then not have any idea of what's going to happen. Um, so it's not a, a we believe. And I understand people have their decision-making process. I get it. So we will send that thank mm-hmm. you, but no thank you mm-hmm. approach. And then sometimes they'll respond to us and say, why don't you want to you why why wait, well, why why don't you want to respond to our RFP? They want us actually to, to, to submit because we have you know national presence yeah. and stuff. And we but we tell them, you know, we just internally we made a decision not to do this. Uh, we I rather speak to your decision maker. You want to have a heart-to-heart, transparent conversation, whether we can help, let's have that conversation. If not, and I'll put it in writing, by the way, whatever we agree to. Um, but if not, that's okay. I'm not uh, no harm, no foul. We got we got people to call, we got work to do. We're not spending eight hours on an RFP. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or I say with all grace and love, you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. but, but, uh, it's, uh, I was curious as to what you're yeah. feeling on that. Yeah, with these very large organizations, I find it depends, but you would always want to talk to like someone like an emissary to get the inside scoop to go, is this, is this just, are they just trying to get a number so they can negotiate with the incumbent? This is already the incumbent's business. They just need an additional quote because you know, their formal process says you have to send it three, you have to get three responses, but they're just going to re-up with the incumbent anyway, right? That That's the kind right. of information that, you, or right. I've had other organizations say, just answer it, but don't answer it in some sort of superficial way because we actually do read them. And others will say, I've never read one. It's a procurement thing. Use your boilerplate language. It's fine. But right, right. <laughs> yeah. knowing nothing and having doing it completely cold you could waste a lot of time yeah exactly we've gotten enterprise clients um, that have sent us rfps publicly mm-hmm. traded companies and we've walked away um we walked away and again I, it could have been we have if we had an emissary in theory we maybe maybe we made yeah. the right decision maybe we didn't yeah. but i i still i i, I went on to the next day so didn't you know i kept on moving uh but uh, that, the beauties of an emissary is sometimes they help you figure out how to win the business and sometimes the best thing they do is they tell you to stop trying to chase it right 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 so. exactly exactly um and, that, and that's great so when uh, when the audience you know i guess the, C, the ceos and the c-suite people um how do they how do they engage initially with emissary to determine if your your service that you provide uh, will be helpful for them. Like we have a discovery conversation with companies that will we'll have a half hour, 45 minute call, discuss what their goals are and see if we can help and we'll qualify you or disqualify you out of our funnel. That's just basically the sales process for us. So help us understand what your process is for C-suite and how does that happen? Will you guys help them or can you help? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things very similar to what you said, we will say, okay, help us understand how you sell today so that we can work together to figure out like, well, where would intelligence actually make a difference in the way that you sell, right? So does intelligence matter in your your sales motion? and Where does it fit? And then we would work with them. And because many of them are software companies, we say sometimes it might make sense to do a proof of concept, just like a software company would do to say, hey, let's, you know, try this out and buy a bundle of these interactions and see what kinds of intelligence you can surface and see how usable it is to your world. And so for us, it's like you said, it's the discovering qualification process. And then um, sometimes we will move into proof of concept as well. So, no, that's great. So it sounds like your process is when you engage with a client and they decide to work with you, it will be contractual, sounds like. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have a definitive, you know, scope of work, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. And then you're going to have a contract, however that is three months, six months, whatever that time is um, to work with the client to try to accomplish some kind of goal. Is that kind of how you're saying? Yeah. So there's, there's, 
two ways that clients work with us. One is they say, I just need a bundle of these, these, I need access, right? I need a bundle of, of these interactions and I'll kind of spread them across my, my executive, my enterprise sales team. And they will, you know, they've got a couple of target accounts and they'll get some inside information that'll help them with their account plan. Other organizations prefer more of a subscription-based model to say, listen, these are long sales cycles. And I don't just want to talk to one emissary who used to work for Acme Co. I want to talk to half a dozen, right? Because I'm trying to spread across this organization over a long time frame. So just let me pay the subscription price. And now I can access as many advisors as I need over that period of time. And I sort of have a constant coach. So it depends on the sales cycle and where the intelligence makes sense. Do I just need some for an account plan or maybe some uh, QBR planning? Um, do I need some, some insight that's gonna help me get into the organization or do I really want uh, a series of coaches? Gotcha, that's great. So, um, and it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like you say, Acme Co, one mm -hmm. company. It could be a subscription model and you're working on various enterprise level clients and you'll pull in your consultants to help that, your client. Is that exactly okay got so you. tons of accounts or you can say i want to talk to multiple emissaries in the same account right i want to talk to someone who's to work in corporate it i okay. want to talk to someone over in data i need to talk to someone in cybersecurity, and i want to you know i know i'm going to have a lot of contacts in my sales cycle so i want to to hedge my bets and talk to multiple people no that's that's great um so that that said um i'm going to get uh, uh into some of the uh, more fun stuff, rapid fire questions here, more about you. Uh, and then we'll get into a summary at the end. Okay. So um, are, are you a, a coffee drinker? No, iced tea. Iced tea. Okay. So you're a tea drinker. Gotcha. Yep. Um, uh, so, so when you, um, when you go out to eat, do you eat a, your pizza? I when I well, a, I don't go out to eat as much as I you know used to because I don't do business travel anymore over the mm -hmm. past year and a half. But I always order whatever like this, the fish special is, the seafood special. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So um, no pizza for you. My, I have a nine-year-old son, so there is occasionally pizza around, gotcha. but it is it is child initiated. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, uh, hamburgers. No. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. No. Uh, so the so hot dogs are off the thing too. They're off the uh, outdoors at a baseball game. It's a necessity. Part of the experience. I got yeah. it. Part yeah. of the experience. Okay. So um, uh, are you a, uh, an Android or, or uh, Apple person? Android, but the rest uh, of the family is Apple. All right. We, oh, really? Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Um, and uh, so you're, um, so you're doing your laptop or uh, PC? Laptop. Laptop. Okay. You want to be mobile and stuff like that. Great. When you're, when you're um, doing traveling or you're exercising or something, are you listening to podcasts? Are you listening to music? So it's interesting what people, you know, do when they're, when they're doing that. What are you doing? Music. Music. Music okay. on the treadmill for sure. Yeah. Okay. Get you motivated, get you running. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I got like workout tracks, like yeah, workout <laughs> playlists. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Me, me too. Um, if you had um, the opportunity to go anywhere, uh, in the world right now, and time and money was not an issue, where would you go? Mm, time and money, not an issue. I would probably go to Europe. Okay. 
like maybe like ancient Greece times. So I'm spending a lot of time with my son. He's into mythology right now. Okay, so, yeah. gotcha. So we talk a lot about that in the ah, house. Ah, all right, all right. If I did that, I wouldn't have to go secretly look it all up in my phone. I would just, I would just know it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, hang on, let me look over. Let me look over here. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. And uh, last question: If um, if you had a superpower. Um, that was given to you. It doesn't have to be business related. Um, it could be anything. It doesn't really matter. Um, if you had a superpower that was given to you, what would that superpower be? Flying. I would definitely love to fly. You mean fly a plane or fly like physically? No, no, no. Like, like superhero fly. You would fly. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Wow, uh, that that's that's amazing. Um, that, that that's great. First time I've heard that. That's that's really cool. Oh, um, oh man. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, other people have said other stuff, which is interesting too. It's just. It's one of those things. Um, so, uh, thirty second wrap up. Um, tell us the uh, the um, the emissary value prop and everything that kind of we we spoke about today. Absolutely. So, emissary is a human intelligence network, and what that means in practical terms is we've got about ten thousand people who used to spend billions of dollars on technology, and we connect them with sellers and marketers to give you the intelligence you need if you're trying to get into your accounts, or if you've got some deals you're trying to accelerate, or if you're in there but you think you have some opportunities to expand, we can help you with the insights. That's great. Listen, Celeste, I love the conversation. Um, you guys are doing some great work there. Very interesting business model. Um, mm -hmm. 10,000 consultants on the bench to do a whole bunch of different stuff and get market intelligence on, on, on companies and how to sell into them. That's fascinating stuff. Um, may you guys have a breakout year this year uh, and also next year and have more business than you can handle um, going forward. It was great chatting with you. Excellent. Thanks for having me. I had fun. Uh, me too.